straight bout it I'm not pouting Break through walls and climb it mountains If you want it, scream it loud What's up superstars? Welcome to the Brain Tainment Podcast. Listen, if you're someone who wants to build more confidence within yourself, your ability to perform, to execute, to build skills, or to just feel better, or if you're someone who wants to architect a new empowering identity, this is the platform for you. Listen, we have all kinds of guests on this program from the psychology space, neuroscience, sports, as well as cultural icons and influences where we get to pick apart their story and learn a bit more about them. So be sure to subscribe. I hope you get value from this show. If you do, if you do enjoy it, please, please, please do me a favor. Put it on your socials, share it with friends and families who you think this message could help or they would enjoy. And be sure to share the love and tag me on those platforms. We'd love to get some feedback. Without further ado, enjoy this episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Brain Tainment Show. Today, I'm joined by a friend of mine and a very impactful mindset coach, um, someone who's worked closely with people one-on-one, now also does some really epic work uh, upskilling other coaches. And we'll talk a little bit about that today, I'm sure. He's also someone who has their own story of transformation, which I always find super fascinating and, and love going down that rabbit hole. So uh, with that said, my man, Evan Spargo, welcome to the show. Thanks, Liam. It's, uh, it's an honor to be a part of this show. I've, I've uh, watched some of your episodes, mate, and to get the call up, very, very honored. Awesome, mate. We've been trying to take it up for a bit. I love, uh, I've really wanted to get you onto this show for, um, for a little while. I like the way you think. I like the way you... Um, you move and shake in the world. I just like your energy, mate. I like your story, like I kind of touched on there. Um, and we've got a short amount of time today. So hopefully we'll, you know, we'll get to what we can, of course. But um, let's maybe start with your journey. It's pretty hard to um, condense our stories into a short spiel, I know. But what's maybe the highlights reel of your journey and perhaps some of the lessons learned along the way to get to where you are now? Yeah, good question. Um, instead of giving like the real, the highs, I'll give you just kind of the raw of what happened. Um, you know, grew up uh, typical Melbourne. You know, went went to a private school. You know, played footy. As that's how I met yourself. And it was during this time where growing up, really introverted, really shy kind of kid, half Filipino, like who the hell knows where for the Philippines is. I'm the only Filipino kid in school. Really had. I grew up with an identity kind of crisis. I didn't know who I was. And I real and I, I guess throughout school, I just looked at what was, what could I do to be accepted? And so you mold, you change, you know, I played footy. I, I wanted, I got fit, you know, really worked on myself and getting fit and all that kind of thing, just so I could really boost my self-esteem. And it was through these years where, you kind of, you try everything and you realize that, hey, it's not, it's not you. You're not living in alignment. And then that's when I started to travel overseas. When I was 21, after I finished school, I went straight into uni, did a four-year degree at Deakin, studied in sports science and sport management. And I just said, stuff it, I'm going to go overseas for a year. So I traveled to the US uh, with a really good mate of mine. And, you know, it was from there that, I really just thrown into the deep end of life and I realized how much was out there. But at the same time in that challenge, you find who you really are. And I got the taste, I got the bug for traveling and I did all Europe, came back to Australia um, for a year, you know, did a bit of work here and there. And I just wanted to go back out. I felt like there was something missing. And that's when I took a trip to the Philippines and I met 
just I, I met someone over there who said you should come back here and try to forge a career here. You could be in show business, you know, modeling, hosting, acting, blah, blah, blah. I was like, wow, lights lit up. How good is this? And within the months, I dropped everything and moved to the Philippines. And it was the best thing I've ever done in my life. And I spent seven years there. And what it made me realize is that it made me help, kind of helped me accept who I am as, you know, I am half Filipino and I'm half Australian. And this half Filipino side, which I've never really, you know, experienced and treasured, now I do because I've been over there and I've connected with the people. And it's like, now I fully own who I am. Mm. And it was through this journey in the, in the seven years that I was in the Philippines where I hit my highest highs, but also hit my lowest lows. And it was in the period where probably at my lowest, where I reached, hit the rock bottom, you know, I just really down on confidence. My work wasn't going well. Couldn't be bothered training and playing sport. Couldn't get out of bed. You know, living paycheck to paycheck. You know, I was I hardly pay rent just had no direction. And that's when I met a coach and I started working with this coach and I went through a few seminars, through webinars. Um, and it was through this that I started to take ownership of who I am, who I am and re realized how much baggage I was carrying from the past. And when I kind of made peace with it, and for, you know, forgive yourself, forgive those around you. It's kind of like I let go of all that. And um, that's when I experienced this tremendous freedom in my mind, in my myself. And that inspired me to be the coach I am today. Mm. Um, I wanted to help others experience the freedom that I experienced, the peace that I experienced. Because when you feel like that, it's like the world's your oyster. You know, everything opens up for you. The clarity is incredible. How you feel about yourself is just phenomenal. So, that's what's inspired me now to become a coach. And ever since then, I've been studying for the last four or five years and it brought me essentially back to Australia. Um, and I did some cool things in between, you know, I represent the Philippines in rugby sevens and traveled uh, Asia playing pretty cool tournaments. And so things like that. But I think that's kind of some of the, the lessons that I learned along the way to become mm. who I am today. Yeah, mate. I love that. It's a lot in that. I imagine as well, to some extent, um, you know, I'm just listening to that. I'm thinking, man, so many people are going to relate to that idea of this identity crisis. Like, who am I? Like, and then also learning to love and cherish, you mentioned there, parts of you that maybe for whatever reason, you know, you don't feel sort of automatically compelled to, to fall in love with. So I feel like a lot of people will resonate with that. Have you found that to be the case when you've worked with people that there's sort of this identity of like, I don't know who I am, or I think I know who I am, but I don't love it. And then, you know, that plays out in a whole slew of sinister ways, but it all comes down to this like narrative of who they are. Have you seen people just get trapped there? hundred percent, mate. You've uh, hit the nail on the head there. You know, a lot of people have their identities tied up into their work, right? They're tied up into what they do rather than who they are. And that's where there's an incongruence. And that's when there's a kind of a conflict an inner conflict between themselves, because they, the perception of themselves that they believe that others have of them, they believe that's their identity. And if then, and they act in according to that, even if they feel that they're not hitting that, that's when, uh, you know, these, these self-saboteurs come in. This is when these negative emotions, when they start dealing with stress, anxiety, that kind of thing. So you feel like there's a huge identity gap from who they are to mm. who they perceive to be. So that's one thing. And another thing is also, being you, you talked about the narrative 
a lot of people are controlled by the narrative of their past that it's allowing them to dictate the future rather than creating a completely new narrative for the future. Mm. So one thing that I work with my clients is being able to differentiate between the two and allow them to see a bigger vision, a bigger future than what the past is because the past is gone. It's done. You can't do anything about it. You can learn from it, but if you continually attach to it, well, then it's going to keep interrupting the future that you want to create. But if Mm. you can create a bigger future that compels you, that's passionate, that's aligned with who you truly are, that's when you really step into the true being of who you are. That's when you really step into that future and start walking towards it rather than being held back. Mm. Man, I love that. This is some juicy stuff. And we're sort of scratching at the surface of something that like I I too am wildly passionate about. I guess what what I'm hearing you say is that it is entirely plausible for someone to dramatically shift almost everything about their existence if they wish to. You know, I feel like some most people from my experience tend to get the idea that, you know, if they're not they're not currently not good at something, like a tangible skill set, they can improve it. You know, if you're not currently a good runner, if you really try, you know, you can you can ultimately get fit and and all that stuff. And um, it's easy to see that. But when it comes to something like a little bit more abstract, you know, in terms of like mindset and and how we feel on a daily basis. And I feel, I feel people tend to lose that confidence that that can be done. And just, you know, explaining now about how people get stuck in that narrative of the past. Um, I imagine, you know, people sort of may have experienced uh, for an extended period of time, maybe feelings of anxiety, you know, really low self-worth and it becomes all they know. So what I'm hearing you say is that it is, it's not just like hyperbole, like it's entirely plausible for that to change too, to go from, you know, like a default state of anxiety or fragility to actually, I feel really good about who I am. And I feel really good about my ability to show up in social situations. I feel really good about, you know, filling the blank. Um, It sounds like you've found that to be the case in your own journey. And I suppose that's a probably important message for people to recognize like, fuck, this can be done. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You said it so well, you know, what, what people don't realize, and I I want to land this message now is that this part of us, the past, you know, these negative self beliefs, you know, what that's always going to be there, right? It's something that we need to accept. That's a part of ourselves. And we call that part, the shadow self, but what else is available is, you know, the part of us that, that wants to shine. It's the part of us that wants to put themselves out there and love and create and be passionate and, you know, just allow just this energy just to flow. So, so many people just believe, well, maybe it's just the shadow side that I am. I'm just this person. But then, then if you can think about it, if you can see it, if you can embody it, that other part of you is available. So that's that's what people to and fro from. It's like people think that the shadow side is them when it's. It is a part of them, but it's not entirely them. Mm. If you can accept that's a part of you and then just be like, okay, great. That's always going to be there. But what's bigger than that? The bigger than that is my, sh- my light side. It's the, the part of me that wants to shine in this world. So a lot of people come in and they operate from, oh, this is me. This is who I am. That shadow side, this is, I'll never be like that. But the fact that you can see that means that it is available for you. Mm. And I think that's a really important lesson. What is available for you at every moment? Your best self is available for you. 
But at the same time, you can easily go back into those old patterns and all those ways if you wanted to. So you mm. do have a choice and what it comes down to is choice. Yeah, I suppose it's really important. You kind of touched on there, not to judge that experience if it does come up. We will ultimately have have both, but then the sense of agency that comes from the, the choice, the decision-making, okay, which way do you want to lean? And I reckon, I know from my own experience, and I don't know if you've had a you know, similar uh, in your own journey, but there's times where you know I'm trying to grow into a new, whether it's a level of like really a level of authenticity or, or grow into um, you know more of a default state of calm and clarity. But then there's like the monkey mind that comes in. There's the levels of self doubt. I think that that is a very normal experience, like you alluded to. I think it is really important. I'm glad you actually went there to not when that moment takes place to start judging that and go, fuck, I just give up. It's, you know, um, it's okay for that to be there, sit with it. And also what else can you, you know, what else can you explore? And that decision in that moment, I suppose that's where the power is, right? Exactly right. We have, I love that you brought that up. It's every moment we have a choice, you know, what do we choose in that moment? Do we choose to listen and believe and act in the narrative that we've created in the past or that our ego or our, um, our monkey mind has developed or we're going to see what else is available. What is the truth here? What is the objective truth? What's true for us? And mm. I think one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves and, you know, I give this to my clients a lot is, you know, is this true? Is this statement you're saying true? is this story you're creating true? And when you challenge that, you people realize that we make so many assumptions, right? An event happens, we create a story, and rather than us responding to the uh, event, we react to the story. We react to the story that we create first. And that's when, that's when we get fall into this trap and this rabbit hole of, self-doubt, questioning assumptions, anxiety, and all this kind of thing. So what, what I try to do for myself, which is quite difficult, especially when there's emotion involved, is how can I see this as objective as possible mm. and then act from that? But obviously what, what, what's hard or the challenge is the emotion that comes on because when you're emotionally invested in something, in someone, uh, that's when you need to allow that to dissipate before you can really make a decision and respond. If you yeah. respond in while you're emotional, that's when, Oh, you know, <laughs> shit can hit the fan sometimes. So yeah. I agree, mate. I'm smiling for a couple of reasons. One, I agree so aggressively with that idea of like coming back to what's objectively true. You know, everyone's going to have their own subjective experience and perception of things, but okay. What can you, what can you fall back on? That's objectively true. So I agree so aggressively with, with that. It's, it's insane. But then also, at the same time, I'm smiling because it's like you touched on it there. Emotions also come into play. They are a variable. You have to kind of swim through that sea of emotions to see the objective truth sometimes. And that can be challenging. And I know that to be true as well. So um, I guess where I want to go now, mate, is someone's listening to this. They're nodding their head going, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Um, what? Where do I start with this? You know, how do I start to recognize um, but I guess what my limiting story might be, how do I start to do something about it? You know, that, that process of transformation, which we now, you know, hopefully we can recognize is fundamentally doable. 
Um, and that level of hopefulness that comes from that is cool. Where, where can people start? Is there, is there something that's worked really well for you by way of like daily practices or anything along those lines? Yeah. And I think the first thing and foremost, you can do it yourself. It is possible. It's firstly to listen to yourself. What I've noticed, especially as COVID's hit, people, people didn't have the excuse that I'm too busy right? They were, they were forced to sit with themselves and listen to actually what the narrative, what the dialogue is within themselves. And I think that's the first clue for you to listen to your inner dialogue. And that can come from stillness. I know that you're an avid meditator, Liam. And uh, if, you, if you dedicate time to sit there and listen to your own thoughts, it starts to give you an inkling of what are the stories that you're creating. And that's the first thing. It's really, what's my inner dialogue saying? What are the stories that I'm living or creating for myself? And then you'd be writing them down, writing mm. the stories, whether it's positive, it's negative, or it's true or not true, just write them down. And then you start to see patterns and then understand how you react to these stories. Do you react positively? Do you react negatively? Do you start feeling anxiety? Do you start feeling sad and down about it or judgmental? Once you've got the story, once you've got the emotion, then you can start challenging it. Wow, is this true? If I was going to strip away all this, does this really matter? Or objectively, what's really happening here? That's when you can start to, in the moment, as you get better, an event happens, you can pause. What's the story I'm telling myself? Great. Okay, so what's the actual truth in this situation? So, for example, someone cuts you off um, in, in the car and immediate, your immediate reaction is judgmental. Why the hell did he do that for? When really, okay, I'm going to pause. Could be, it could be an accident. They could be rushing to hospital. They could be doing something. Who knows what's happening, right? That's just an example of us in the moment pausing, um, really just allowing to, to see it for what it is, looking at all the the scenarios rather than just the worst case scenario that affects us, that feels like we're being judged um, or it's against us and responding accordingly to what mm. the, what objectively is happening. And that takes practice, but that's some steps that you can start doing with yourself. And as a coach, I play a role in, in helping others see what they can't see because a lot of people don't have the tools. So it's so great to be able to act as a mirror for people to see what's probably unconscious to them and to be able to bring that to their conscious so they can make conscious change. Mm. Yeah. That um, the meditation has been, it's been huge for me. I think what's an interesting caveat to kind of highlight as well is, you know, for, for people that, because uh, it's getting a lot of airtime now, right? The, the world of meditation as it should. Um, and there's a lot of people sort of dipping their toe in and starting to like really consider spending that time in, in solitude to experience the benefits that you just outlined. <clears throat> but obviously, you know, the, one of the main hesitations that comes up is, oh, I can't, my mind just races or, um, or like there's probably a whole slew of reasons why not to start. And what's, what's interesting that I wanted to highlight is, um, you know, for, for me personally, I found when I started trying to do that, you know, like I'd heard all the benefits. I was like, okay, there has to be some value. Let me just try and, and get used to the solo tube. But for me, it was, there was two main issues. One, and I'm sure people will relate to this that are listening. You know, I felt like my mind was crazy. Like I'm real monkey mind. 
You know, I got a big personality. I'm like here, here, there and everywhere. And and that's the way my mind works at times. And that was certainly the identity I had of, I'm not someone who can sit in silence because my mind's going to explode. I think too quickly and X, Y, Z. So that was, that was one limitation, but then two, which I think is really interesting. One of the hesitations I had was I didn't want to reflect on, I didn't want to sit in idleness and for some shit to come up and experience you know, past traumas or emotional baggage. It was almost like I was running from it. I wouldn't use that language at the time, but in hindsight now, on reflection, it's like, that's probably what I was doing. I was just, I didn't like the feeling of experiencing it again, but how can you get clarity around these things? How can you move through these things? How can you really, you know, get to a place of transforming into the person you want to be if you, you know, if you can't go through that process. So I think, I think that's important to point out. You're not meant to just be able to nail it immediately at the gate like there are going to be some some roadblocks yeah exactly and it brings up uh while you were saying that it just brings up the thought you know i don't know if you read the book but ryan holiday talks about the obstacle is the way Mm. and often or not i see a lot of people avoiding what they most need or what's most pressing for them purely because one the pain two don't know if i can deal with it that's what I believe that's where anxiety comes from. Most of the time, it's the thought that if something happens, I won't be able to deal with it. Mm. And so people don't, they don't press forward. They don't move forward because there's that apprehension. Can I actually deal with it? But on the other side of that is courage. Courage is the ability to, to act despite fear and having a confidence that I can deal with whatever comes up. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's re- it's really important to differentiate and differentiate between the two, and it's often our fear or our obstacle or what's bugging us the most is usually the way forward. Mm. I've certainly found that to be the case, <laughs> mate. I want to um I want to talk about integrity. I know you've um you know you've spoken eloquently about this in the past and is important to you. Um. And probably a big part of your story too, you know, you're describing earlier about, you know, just trialing different things to try and build, you know, try and fit into this identity of, of playing football or getting fit or whatever it was. And, um, you know, I've, I've certainly, I can relate to that. I know a lot of people can. Um, and I think with the, the challenge, it's nothing objectively bad about like one particular, you know, field of interest, whether it's sport or, you know, looking a certain way or whatever it might be. I think the challenge comes when you feel compelled to sort of show up in a certain way or, in a certain situation and, and you don't because, you know, the fear of ridicule, because that's not how things go down in this situation or whatever it might be. So for you, and I guess for people listening, um, what is, what are some of the, I guess, your insights around um, being able to show up in alignment with, with, with what's important to you? Like what's that idea of integrity mean to you and how can people, you know, apply that to their day to day? Yeah. Yeah. Great point that you brought up before, you know, I haven't always been living in integrity. I think that's probably one of the reasons why I've made it one of my, my major values because, you know, I, I lived my life for a period of time there in particular, particularly in my late teens, early to mid twenties, it was all about how do I show up to impress others? How do I show up to, how do I show up? to honor the perception that others have of me so that I can, so that I can 
hold that reputation so they can always like me because if they don't it's gonna it's gonna kill me like i'm gonna i'm that's where my anxiety came from it's like if i don't do a certain thing well then i'm not going to be loved and that comes back down to you know bloody self-limitations and limiting beliefs from a child is i'm not lovable i'm not good enough i'm not worthy so these are the patterns that i had to deal with and then it got to a stage where i was just too tired i was like i can't it's too hard not being myself anymore. Mm. You know, it, it, it doesn't feel good. I'm, I'm over it. I'm exhausted. And I'm trying to uphold the perception and likability of others I don't, who don't really give a shit about me. Yeah. So why bother? And so learning that was quite confronting. And when I was able to let that go and start going, okay, one thing that I learned from one of my first coaches and it's always stuck with me. There's, you don't owe anything in, you don't owe anyone anything in this world. Right. But if there's one thing that you do, it's your word. If you give your word to someone, you owe that to that. Right. That's integrity for me. So ever since I heard that I'll never make a promise if I don't think I can make it. Right. I mean, shit happens. It comes up, but you work your way through it and you, but you make sure it happens. And for those who want to practice that, it's how, how it's if you if you make a promise, whether it's to yourself, and I think it's the most important is to do it to yourself first, or else you can't do it with others. Is to keep that no matter what, mm. because then that shows that you are willing to commit not only to yourself but to what you say to other people, and that becomes your strength. That becomes your value right, is your word and people start to believe you, people start to trust you and that's when you can really create beautiful bonds and relationships. But mm. it starts from yourself, making a promise to yourself, I'm going to go to the gym three times this week and you're like, fuck it, I'm not doing it. Well, then who else is going to believe you if you say that to them? Mm. It starts from you first. So that's where I believe integrity starts from. It's you making a promise to yourself and then um, others will do the same. And I'll give you an example. So this week I, uh, I did a fast. I said to myself, I had a, like a pretty shit weekend, to be honest. I injured my ankle, um, just, just felt crap, just put crap food in my body, just felt really shit. And on Sunday, I said to myself, I'm going to fast for five days. I'm not going to eat for five days. I'm going to drink water. That's all I'm going to do. And that's the promise I'm going to make myself. And I've done it. It was oh, hard. Wow. It was tough. But today is the first day that I've, I've been, I've eaten food. What was your first um, meal so back? In five days. Uh, first meal back is you've got to be careful with this. Right. Is, uh, I, had a, I had vegetable soup and um, some fruit and a bit of, a bit of yogurt cool. uh, because you've got to ease your body back into solids. Yeah. But that's it. That's integrity. And I do these little things so that I can make sure that I'm still in, in line and having integrity with myself making Huge. sure that's still that's still there so yeah that hopefully that gives you a bit of an insight mate it really does yeah that's massive and that's a it's super tangible someone's listening they're going okay where do i what do i do with all this dude dudette whoever's listening do what you say you will do yeah like that might sound simple but if you in my opinion and from my experience and similar to what you've just shared Ed, you do that you particularly if you're someone who's pretty consistently not showing up inconsistent with what you say you will do to others and to yourself, you start doing that a hundred percent of the time, it will fucking revolutionize how you feel about yourself from my experience. 
And I'm, this yeah. is not like, the, I am far from perfect, but I can tell you that nine, these nine times out of 10, at least, I'll do what I say I'll do primarily to myself. And it's not necessarily because I'm amazing because I'm a saint or a hero, but I don't know about you, Ev, but for me, the motivation comes from, I know the fucking pain internally that comes from the opposite. Wanting to live in a one, having this set of values. I want to be this way. I want to be able to show up this way. I want to do these things. I say, I'm going to do it. I promise myself I'm going to do it. And then I don't. And you do that for year after year after year. You pretty quickly lose trust with yourself. And as soon as you do that, you're in trouble. Yep. Yeah, mate, that was emphatic. It was, you're exactly right. I mean, if you, if you continuously you let yourself down, you stop trusting yourself and then who's going to trust you? You know, how are you going to build strong relationships with others if that's going to be the case? Mm. And I know for you, I know you've been doing your triathlons lately, especially swimming and swimming. Something was hard for you, but you persisted. You were strong. Uh, you, you really kept your word that I'm going to keep pushing through. And, you know, the other day, what you got like two plus kilometers mm. in a certain time. And that's, that's brilliant, mate. You know, congratulations. And that inspires me, but also says to me that you're a, someone who makes promises to themselves and keeps them and honors themselves. And mm. with this attitude, no wonder you are where you are now. You know, so it all starts from a simple promise that we make you to each other or to us, sorry, to ourselves that we, we honor and that we keep, and then we mm. start doing it with others. And then we just start building this, this ball of trust that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger becomes momentous doesn't it the same way that yeah you know um like a certain belief system or identity can be reinforced for the wrong reasons the, yep. the same is equally true yes there is like a level there's like an activation energy required to kind of interrupt that process i suppose but once you do you know it's um it, it is easier to maintain than it is to start and i think that's important for people to recognize when they're feeling the burden of trying to start something that's foreign or new then uh, just know that it like it will get easier and it will get more and more kind of intrinsically rewarding to um, to continue. One um, a couple more for you, Ev. I want to kind of throw at you and something I think will be really interesting. Um, you know, the audience that tunes into this show is pretty diverse. You know, guys, girls, um, extrovert, introvert. Like, there's a whole host of different people. But I want to talk to the um, to the introverts just for a moment, only because um, from what you've shared. You know, you've um, self-confessed uh, an introvert by nature, certainly growing up. And I feel like just, you know, conversations I've had with people that can at times be a limiting um, belief in terms of what it allows you to to kind of do and how you show up, I suppose. And I know for you, like I said, you've, you've kind of shared that um, at diff- on different platforms that I've seen. Could you maybe just talk to that a little bit uh, and how that kind of, I guess, what the negative impact was of, of, of buying into that too much and how, how you're able to work through that. And I guess kind of what I'm getting at is I have my own flaws, I, but I fully acknowledge that whether it's nature or nurture, I don't know. Like, but there is a level of like, I feel compelled to share and be open and right. There's a level of what we would shorthand to being extroverted. So I completely appreciate that where not everyone might be wired that way. Okay. So for the people that aren't, you know, is it still possible for them to just feel deeply confident in who they are? Yeah, it's a terrific question. 
you know, I've spent time with introverts and extroverts and being an introvert myself, especially growing up, you know, it was, it was tough because there was a, you wanted as an introvert, you want to, you want to be the life you want to be out there. You want to meet people. You want to do that. But then you're just naturally reserved. You would naturally want to save your energy. You naturally are not inclined into putting yourself out there and that kind of thing. But for me, it's kind of, yes, that was me, but a lot of it was due to fear, fear of not being accepted, fear of voicing myself out there, fear of being rejected. Mm. Um, You know, that's what I dealt with growing up. And I wanted to hide myself from the world because I just didn't think I was worthy enough and that I just couldn't handle the rejection, the constant rejection. And, you know, it's not, that's not the case for everyone. Some people just want to keep to themselves and that's how it is. But it doesn't mean you're not confident. Mm. You know, it doesn't mean that you, you stand up for yourself when you do, when you need to, or that's something you feel strongly about, you'll stand up. And what I found was that for me, kind of what allowed me to step out of that introversion, which is still a part of me, I still naturally go back to that. But what allowed me to step out was that I have something that I'm really passionate about that I want to voice, that I believe in, and this is me. And I know that my current way of being is not going to allow me to do that. So I need to step out of myself. And that's when I became a public speaker. I was like, I've always wanted to be a speaker, but I was always so shy. I was so low in confidence. So that's when I said, I'm going to go be a public speaker and show that my greatest fear can become one of my greatest assets. And then that's what I did. I practiced, I put myself Mm. into positions where it was incredibly uncomfortable, but then you get reps up. The more you do it, the more comfortable you get. And you know what? I still get nervous when I go up and speak, but it's a lot easier now. And, And I'm still introverted at heart but now I have the confidence to go step up and put myself out there. But my natural tendency is to go back and, you know, kind of relax and save my energy and recoup. And then I'll go back out in the world again. So hopefully it gives you a bit of insight of, Mm. you know, of introverts and doesn't mean you're not confident if you're introvert, but you're just, you're more willing just to keep to yourself because that's just who you are and you feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, that's huge. I reckon that's the key reading between the lines of you're going to have some natural tendencies and that's okay. And just, you know, embrace that, fall in love with it. But if you can yeah, read between the lines and, and determine when and where it's really just from a place of fear and you actually really yeah. want to show up a certain way, you know, then that's the part to tackle, I suppose, to see you, you know, um, go through that process and put yourself in those situations. I love that you said putting in the reps, such like a tangible representation. We kind of understand it. It's like, fuck yeah, that makes sense. Like you don't go to the gym once yeah. and expect to be jacked. Like you put in years, like everyone's like, yeah, that makes sense. You'd be naive. You'd be stupid to think you could just go in for one session, come out looking yeah. entirely different. It's just not how it works. I think uh, the same is very much the true for the for the more abstract or for our psychology, you're right? But it doesn't make it any less, um, like it's harder to, to digest and trying to visualize, but it doesn't make it any less true, right? Like it's the same mm. for our mind. Um, so look, just to finish off with you, uh, obviously, you know, you've worked in the coaching space for a minute now, you shared just before about the value you've got from coaches and mentors. Let's maybe just talk to that a little bit about, I guess, the value of having people in your life, virtually in person, one-on-one in groups, like 
How important is it to have a, I guess, a support system, a circle of people, a mentor throughout this journey that can kind of guide you, add little bits of information, encourage you, throw different perspectives at you? How important is that for people um, who are, you know, exploring their own journeys right now? Yeah, yeah. So I'll keep it really short and powerful we can't own and we can't change what we can't see. Mm. So coaches, mentors, support groups are those who act as a mirror, allow you to see what you can't see. Things that we're oblivious to, things that we are unconscious of, not only the negatives, but also the positives. You know, a lot of us think a certain way, but we can't objectively see ourselves. So, Coaches, mentors, support, or whatever, they act as a mirror for you to see what you can't see. That's why we use a mirror, right? We stand in front of the mirror to see our blind spots, to see what we can't see in our everyday life, right? So they act as the same thing, but they, they're there to give you feedback, to show you what you can't see, to, uh, you know, to challenge you, but also to lift you up. And if you didn't have that, you'd be walking around with just, one view of yourself and that view might serve you until a certain point, but you're not going to see everything. Are you? Mm. There's only something. That, so for me, for, for a long time in my life, I was like, no, nah, I'm right. I'm fine. <laughs> you know, I'll be right. You know, which is a lot of us are, especially men. Absolutely. Um, because you think, you know, everything. And then once I started to put people around me where now I've got, I've got a coach, I've got a counselor or like a hypnotherapist, an energy healer that I work with. I've got people in my life that I talk to, friends and family. You know, my partner's amazing. I make sure that I use them and I do vice versa for them because there's so much value that we get from it because mm. they allow you to see what you can't see. And when you can see what you can't see, then you can own it and you or you can change it. Yeah, definitely. Um, one final one, just out of curiosity, actually. So, um, well, firstly, where can people connect with you if they want to learn a bit more about the work you're doing and whatnot? I'm sure I'll, I'll throw the stuff up in the um, in the show notes, but where can we find you on the interweb? Yeah, no worries. Um, so just at Evan Spargo, um, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, website is www.evanspargo.com. Uh, just reach out to me there. I'd love to have a chat to you guys love talking all this kind of psychology mm. mindset performance self-development growth love it all so yeah. please please start a chat with me and uh i'd love to yeah interact it's pretty clear that you do love it mate you've always got some really interesting insights to add you know i've already got so much value myself personally from just chatting with you today i know people tuning in will as well just to finish off i'm curious are there certain people um or like authors or or um thought leaders, if you want to give them that label, are there certain people that you like to tune into? You like their school of thought? I'm just curious. Mm. Yeah. So there's a couple, I think everyone, the well-known Jay Shetty, I reckon he's a modern day guru. I'm listening to his uh, book at the moment, book. actually, the um, Think Like a Monk. Like Think literally like as I, yeah. just before we jumped on, I had the audio book going as I was doing, walking around the house. <laughs> it's awesome. Like he's great because he's yeah. really about the millennials, how we feel and, you know, how we interact with the world, how we see the world. He's one. Uh, one guy that I really follow who 
his principles, his philosophies around mindset is very similar to mine. And his name is Peter Crone. So he's I, someone I've been, I, I follow religiously. Um, and then, you know what? The old, the old school philosophers mm. like um, Carl Jung, these kind of guys, Alan Watts. I, I love going back to these guys because that's where it all started and they're still relevant now. Yeah, so I, I still read about them. I still listen to their philosophy. It just makes so much sense. It yeah, keeps nice. it so simple. And if we, if we, if we adhere to that and we live in that rhythm of life, you know, just make it just, it's just a lot clearer. Life just becomes clearer, you know? Absolutely. And that's an intoxicating feeling. Mate, we could go <laughs> for a very long time. Um, I know. I'll wrap it up. Dude, thanks so much for carving out the time. You're a legend. We'll, um, we'll speak soon. Thanks, Liam. Appreciate it, mate. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate the support you guys are showing to this platform. If you got some value from this episode, if you enjoyed it, please do share it on your socials with friends and family. It really helps grow the channel uh, and the mission and everything we're trying to do here with Braintainment. So spread the love. I would be forever grateful. And of course, if you've got some real insights from this episode, hit me up, find me on social, shoot me a message. I'd love to engage and have a chat with you guys. So that's it for now. Until the next episode, thanks again.